you would turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, we're going to read it again together this morning. Um, says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord will bless the reading of His Word again. And this morning, let's just open in a word of prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, we uh, again are thankful. Thank You for the tremendous privilege that is ours to remember uh, our Good Shepherd, This morning, the one who laid down his life for the sheep. We're also thankful for the opportunity to, again, reflect on the great shepherd, the one whom God raised from the dead, the one who um, tends to our every need, uh, the one who's there with us, uh, the one who protects us, uh, the one who nourishes us. And, uh, Lord Jesus, we look forward to um, the chief shepherd. Uh, the one who is coming again. Lord Jesus, we would pray maybe even uh, today would be the day you come back for your people. But until then, we certainly are thankful that we have a shepherd who leads us and guides us and is with us along this life journey. We thank you for your precious word. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So, here in Psalm 23, we're going to be looking at verse 4 today. Verse 4, um, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. From a shepherd's point of view, uh, this statement actually marks the halfway point of this psalm. Up until now, as we've looked at, uh, if you can almost picture, if you will, the, the, the sheep in one of these ranches here has a, a shepherd that we've been looking at. A wonderful shepherd, and maybe there's some sheep in the other, on the other ranch next door who who don't have uh, as good a shepherd as them. And and up until this point, if you will, maybe we've been hearing about how the sheep have boasted um, about the excellent care that it received from their shepherd on the home range. This one that makes them lie down in green pastures and He leads them beside still waters. He restores their soul. He leads them in the paths of righteousness. But it's summer now. It's summer now and and the sheep now are going to begin their trek into the high country. Um, In Palestine, uh, this endeavor to take their flocks onto distant mountain meadows was normal. In fact, uh, sent Josh some images of some of what that looks like and 
never actually touched base with him. So, uh, but I was hoping I could show you some pictures today of what it looked like there in Palestine. Okay, you've got these big, huge cliffs and mountains, and inside you get these ravines, these valleys that they would have to go through to get to these uh, to the high country. Okay, to these mountain meadows, and this often entailed long drives. The beginning of the summer months, they would take these sheep and they would take them through the valley. And the sheep, they would move slowly, feeding as they go. And by late summer, they are on the remote alpine meadows above the timberline. And this was a normal occurrence for them. During this time, the flock is entirely alone with the shepherd. They are in intimate contact with Him and under His most personal attention day and night. So the summer months, right, for the sheep, they're spent in close companionship and in solitaire um, with the Good Shepherd. That's why we see the language change here. I don't know if you've noticed that. Right Up until now, the sheep are talking about He does this. He does this. This is the first time where we see the sheep now say, You are with me. He addresses the shepherd. We see a more intimate first-person language like the word you and I. At the end of the summer, there'll be early snow in the fall that'll drive the sheep back downward. And by the end of the fall, beginning of winter, they are back home at their home ranch. But this is the journey they would do. This is a typical, normal journey for a shepherd and his sheep for the summers is to take them on this trek through the valley up to the mountain meadows every summer and then back home again in the winter. In fact, David, who was a shepherd, was definitely familiar with this terrain. We read in Samuel, right, when, um, when Samuel was told to go anoint one of Jesse's sons, right? Jesse brings all his sons out, and Samuel, the Lord says, nope, not that one, nope, not that one, and there was none of them. And uh, Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any other sons? He goes, well, yeah, we have the youngest boy, but he's out with the sheep. David was actually on this trek with the sheep into the, the mountain meadows. In fact, it says there that When they found that out, Samuel said what? They had to go send for David. They had to go get him. He wasn't there, home on the ranch. And so David, I'm sure, was definitely familiar with this terrain that he speaks about here. He knew from firsthand experience about all the difficulties and the dangers as well as the delights of the treks into the high country. He knew this wild and wonderful country like the back of his hand. Never would he take his flock where he had not already been before. All of the dangers of raging rivers in flood, avalanches, rock slides, poisonous plants, predators, or even terrifying storms of sleet and hail and snow were familiar to David. Nothing 
took him by surprise. He was fully prepared to protect his flock and to tend them with skill under every circumstance. And here we see the beauty of this verse. Where the sheep can say, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. We as believers, it's the beauty of this verse, right? That we can say, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Our shepherd is with us in every situation. Every dark trial, every dismal disappointment, and every distressing dilemma. We can say, I will fear no evil because he's with us. In the Christian life, we often speak of wanting to move to higher ground with God. Right? We hear many Christians say they that they want to enter a more intimate walk with God. Sometimes you'll hear people speak of mountaintop experiences. But the problem with that is we mistakenly think that we can just be airlifted onto that ground. On the rough trail of the Christian life, this just isn't so. That's not how it works. As with ordinary sheep management, so it is with God's people. One only gains higher ground by climbing up through the valleys. Every mountain has its valleys. Its sides are scarred by deep ravines. And the best route to the top is always along these valleys. Any shepherd familiar with the high country, knows this. He leads his flock gently, but persistently, up the paths that wind through the dark valleys. Even in Jeremiah, uh, the prophet there describes uh, the terrain. He says here in Jeremiah chapter 2, he says, They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness? through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. They understood what these valleys were, these ravines. They were a place of darkness. One of the pictures I I wanted to show you was, you can see actually these these valleys, these ravines, uh, most of the day they were just cast by shadow because of the deep ravines and the high cliffs For a very short time in the middle of the day could you have sun hit these valleys. They were dark places, casting dark shadows on these areas. But I want you to notice something. The psalmist here says, Yea, though I walk through. It doesn't say I die there. It doesn't say stop there but rather I walk through. It's customary to share this verse, right? I've heard this verse shared a lot of times at funerals or even 
as you sit beside someone on their deathbed. And usually it's to provide comfort, to provide encouragement um, as someone is going through that valley of the shadow of death, passing through that dark valley. But for the child of God, right, death is not an end. It's merely the door into heaven. And not only that, but it's a door into intimate contact with Christ. I think it's so important that we've noticed this, is that in this dark shadow of the valley, the psalmist is walking. He's not stopping. He's not dying. He's walking through it. He's walking through it. Even in that moment, even in that moment when our life here on earth is done, it doesn't end. It's literally just a door. We're just passing from here to the next, to an intimate contact with our Savior. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord there in heaven. I still remember uh, the night before Elaine passed. Uh, it was just Amy and I and, and James and Kim standing around her uh, bed and uh, we were singing hymns. We were aware of Christ's presence. There was no fear. None of us were sitting there afraid that she might die. We were praying that she would die. Because for us as believers, as you're sitting around Elaine's bed, right? You understand that she's just going on to higher ground. That's all. She reached that mountaintop experience. She reached those mountain meadows. Those remote, alpine, beautiful meadows above the timberline. It's important for us who remain here on earth to understand that there is still a life to live here and now. There are still valleys to go through, to walk through. Right? These do not have to be dead-end streets in our lives. The disappointments, the discouragements, the dilemmas, the dark and difficult days, though they are shadowed valleys, they do not need to be disasters. they can actually be the road to higher ground in our walk with God. You see, the ways of God lead upward through the valleys of our lives. That's the way of God. And so, what I want to do this morning quickly is just look at three reasons why sheep are taken to the mountaintops by way of the valleys. And I think it's important for us to understand um, that David, as I said, was very familiar with this terrain. He would never take his sheep along this trek or along a route that he had never been on before. And as I said, this entire 
summer trek that they would go up into these uh, mountain meadows there. David's with them the whole time. The entire time. In fact, during this trek is when it's their most intimate time because it's just them and the shepherd. That's it. And so I want to encourage us too is that it's important for us to remember this morning that the Lord Jesus, right, when he sends you through that valley, right, it's not because he hasn't been there already. The Lord Jesus knows exactly what it's like to go through the valley of the shadow of death. He's been there before. He knows it like the back of his hand. Because he came here to this earth as a man, endured hostility from men, from sinners, was rejected, not even received by his own. And man, the valley of our Lord Jesus Christ was dark. It was dark. But he had to go through that valley to experience the glory that he has today. And so I want you to know that as we look at the reasons why sheep are taken to the mountaintops by way of the valley, it's, it's not a, a journey that Jesus doesn't know about. Jesus has already taken that journey. He knows it like the back of his hand. And he's with you along the whole way. Number one, first reason why sheep are taken to the mountaintops by way of the valleys is this is the way of the gentlest grades. It's the way of the gentlest grades. Now, although it may seem terrible, right? It may seem terribly tough at first. Uh, in the end, it is actually the easiest and the gentlest way to get me onto higher ground. Again, if you could just picture uh, these ravines as, as dangerous and as treacherous as the valleys could be, when you get to that mountaintop, you can actually look back and see that actually this was the easiest way to get there. Much easier than trying to scale cliffs. And so, when I thank God for the difficult things, I discover that He is there with me in my distress. I'm assured that everything will turn out well for my best because He is with me in the valley and things are under His control. Then I begin to know Him in a new and intimate way that makes life more bearable than it was before. Sometimes we don't come to understand that until we've gone through the valley and we realize, you know what? This was the best way for me to go. The only way that I could know Christ the way I know Him right now, the only way that I can even, these days are even more bearable than, than they were before is because this was the best way. God knew that. My shepherd knew this was the best way to get to the mountain. Frank Borum, uh, he recounted a time when a minister visited his home in New Zealand. Being young and inexperienced, Borum sought the counsel of his guest. 
He said that one morning they were sitting on the veranda looking out over the golden plains to the purple sunlit mountains. He asked the minister, can a man be sure that in the hour of perplexity he will be rightly led by God? Can he feel secure against making a false step? I am certain of it, exclaimed the minister, if he will but give God time. What that was interesting is that we can rest assured that the journey that God has us on, okay, that it's God's plan for us to get to that ground. But sometimes we don't give God time, do we? The difficulties, the dark days. You know, I still remember Dave McLean one time as he laid there bedridden. He said, John, I know this is temporary, but this temporary is getting real long. It does, right? Whether it's days, weeks, years, right? We still have to give God time. And as he said, yes, you can be certain, certain that you are being rightly led by God. God's been down this valley before, okay? He knows what he's doing, okay? He knows that this is the best way for you to get to the mountaintop, to get to those mountain meadows. There's a quote here that says this, the will of God, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. It's the will of God. So the first reason why the shepherd leads us to the mountaintop through the valleys is because in hindsight they actually this was the gentlest way to go right this was the easiest way for us to get to where god wanted us to be yep it seemed difficult in that moment but we see that these were the gentlest grades the second reason why sheep are taken to mountaintops by ways of valleys Not only is it the way of the gentlest grades, but it's also the way that is well-watered. It's well-watered. In these valleys, there are actually there are rivers, streams, springs, and quiet pools. During these summer months, when the, the, during these long drives, right, where the shepherd is leading them, uh, it can be extremely hot and tiresome. The, it's during this, this summer trek that the, the sheep experience intense thirst. So happy are the sheep then, right? That there are frequent watering places along the valley route where they can be refreshed. There's no streams, no quiet pools up on the face of a ravine, <laughs> the side of a ravine, right? It's only down there in those valleys, those dark, valleys where there's a lot of water for refreshment as christians we discover that it's in the valleys right of our lives that we find refreshment from god himself and it's not until we have walked with him through some very difficult things that we discover that he can lead us to find refreshment in him right there in the midst of a trouble that's amazing to me that even in adversity, even in difficulty, right? And all of us have experienced it. God can actually bring you to refreshment 
in him, right in the middle of that. He doesn't say, hey, listen, when you get through this, you know, come see me. I'll refresh you. He can actually meet you right where you're at, right in the middle of that. You can find refreshment. You can be satisfied. Unless you've experienced this for yourself, this actually may seem like an impossibility to you. In fact, I've even heard people, people sometimes claim, oh, you know, when it comes to certain tragedies, when it comes to certain um, difficulties in people's lives, they're like, oh, if that ever happened to me, I could never get through that. But for those who walk with God through these valleys, refreshment like this is available. It is. In fact, I don't know if you ever pray this. I pray this often is that many people, right, often pray that they could be a blessing to someone else, right? We pray, God, let me be a source of encouragement to someone else. The simple fact is that just as water can only flow in a ditch, it can only flow in a channel or a valley, so the Christian's life can only flow in blessing through the valleys that have been carved and cut into our own lives by those excruciating experiences. So the next time you pray, Lord, let me be a source of encouragement. Be careful. Because that's where God makes rivers. That's where God makes pools. It's in those excruciating circumstances of our lives where then now we can be a refreshment to others as He's refreshed us. I mean, who best able to comfort another in bereavement than the one who's lost a loved one? Who can best minister to a broken heart than someone who knows what it's like to have a broken heart? Let us not always try to avoid the dark things. Okay? Don't try to avoid the distressing days. They may well prove to be the way of greatest refreshment in ourselves and those around us. Once during uh, Queen Victoria's reign, she heard that the wife of a common laborer had lost her baby. Having experienced deep sorrow herself, she felt moved to express her sympathy. So she called on the bereaved woman one day and spent some time with her. After she left, the neighbors asked what the queen had said. Nothing, replied the grieving mother. She simply put her hands on mine and we silently wept together. Why does God take us to the mountaintop through the valleys? Well, one, it's the gentlest grades. Two, um, there is water. And third, this is generally where the finest feed is found. The shepherd wants to be sure that there will not only be water, but also the best grazing available for the sheep. 
generally, the choicest meadows are in these valleys along the stream banks. So the valley floor may be dark, um, may be in some shadow, right? As I said, with the sun even seldom reaching it for except maybe a few hours around noon, but it is here where the sheep can feed as they move towards the high country. An elder once visited uh, uh, an aged saint in the Lord, and she handed him a Bible and asked him to read a portion to her. As the minister turned the pages, he noticed that the margins had been written, in the margins had been written the letters T and TP. And so he asked the old lady what these letters signified. She answered, Observe that they are always placed opposite some promise of God. T means tried. TP means tried and proven. She had learned to feed on God's word. She had appropriated the promises upon herself. In fact, George Mueller says this. He says, God delights to increase the faith of his children. We ought, instead of wanting no trials before victory, no exercise for patience, to be willing to take them from God's hand, from God's hand as a means. I say, and I say it deliberately, trials, obstacles, difficulties, sometimes defeats are the very food of faith. We should take them out of his hands as evidence of his love and care for us in developing more and more that faith which He is seeking to strengthen in us. To, in that moment, right? Uh, those dark, dark days, right? To actually look at that as food from God. It's powerful. It's during those valley experiences, right? It's during the the shadow of the valley of death that actually God is providing food for you. As I said, in this valley, there are predators hiding, bears, cougars, coyotes, all kinds of natural disasters from floods to sleet and hail, to rock slides. In spite of these hazards, the shepherd knows that this is the best way to take his flock to the high country. He knows all this when he leads us through the valleys with himself. He knows this. He knows where we can find strength and sustenance and gentle grazing despite every threat of disaster that's around us. He spares himself no pain or trouble or time to keep an eye out for any danger that might develop. It's been very reassuring for me. To discover that there is, even in the dark valley, a source of strength and courage to be found in God. 
It is when we look back over our life and we see how the shepherd's hand has guided and sustained us in the darkest hours that our faith is renewed. Again and again, I have been conscious of the Good Shepherd's guidance through the dark days and the deep valleys. And all of this is just multiplied by confidence in Christ. So I've been saying to the Lord, whatever it is, Lord, let it come. There are storms on the horizon, Lord, let it come. If there are floods, predators, let it come. Because I know that He is in the situation with me. And because of that, I won't be afraid. I shall not fear. So let it come. You know, God often comforts us not by changing the circumstances of our lives, but by changing our attitude towards them. Samuel, uh, I don't know if I'm saying his name, Samuel Brangle was a worker with the Salvation Army in Boston many years ago. As he passed by a saloon, some men threw a brick at his head. Their aim was good. And Brengel nearly died. As it was, he spent 18 months in recovery. During that time, he wrote a little book entitled Helps to Holiness. Thousands of copies were published. After he was able to begin preaching again, people would often thank him for the book. He would respond by saying, if there had been no little brick, there had been no little book. His wife saved the brick. And wrote on there Genesis 50:20, "But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good, so to bring to pass as to this day to save many people alive." Hey, listen, uh, often God is not going to change the circumstances in your life. In fact, He knows that you have to go through the valley. What He wants to do is change your attitude towards it. Please know that even as you get through that valley and you get to that mountaintop, right? You can look back and know that, listen, that God's will was perfect. That God knew what He was doing. That even in that difficulty, uh, it was there that God nourished you. And not only that, but then God somehow was able to uh, use you as a source of encouragement because of that. And of course, lastly, too, is as George Mueller would say, listen, for our faith, right? This is the food from God. This is what we need. We need those difficult days. We need those things because that's how God feeds us. It's how He increases our faith. Listen, there are going to be some valleys in life for all of us. Right? Even the Good Shepherd said that, right? He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. That's what he says. He says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The question is not whether we have many or few valleys. 
It's not whether those valleys are dark or merely dim with shadows. The question is, how do I react to them? How do I react to these valleys? How do I go through them? Right? How do I cope with the calamities that come my way? That's the question this morning. With Christ, I can face them calmly. With the Holy Spirit to guide me, I can face them fearlessly. Right? Because it is only through the shadow of the valleys that I can travel on to higher ground with God. In this way, not only will I be blessed, but I will become a blessing to others around me who may live in fear. Let's pray.